up everybody welcome back to agitator uh this is agitator podcast about the act of weebs mm-hmm. and with me today as always is me just can't go through who's everybody's intro uh welcome back to the continuing saga of agitator <laughs> the agitator nationalist <laughs> we had an episode kelby and i's schedules are crazy right now so we figured out the perfect schedule uh but one of our guests wants the episode to come out closer to his book release which makes sense to me uh so we're doing an impromptu episode that episode's gonna be so fire don't get any ideas people with more books coming out yeah talking about hey hold on until it drops in january no Mm -hmm. but uh Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, it makes it, you know it makes sense. it's such a fire episode but too. It's gonna be so dope. It is a fire episode. It's, it's kind of nice to have one in the chamber too, because we got a crunch this week. But then that means September twelfth, when uh, New Millennium Boys comes out, we could take the week off. Hell yeah, we just gave ourselves a vacation. Hell yeah, mm-hmm. we get a day off for once. Mm-hmm. What? You tell me. How it- It's wiggling. Oh, here. Let me calm it down. We got a wiggling tummy over here. Dude, I hate it when my tummy start wiggling. It, you're hungry. Oh, that's why your tummy's wiggling like a cartoon. It's going... <laughs> uh, do you want pizza? Yeah, okay. Hold on. I'll go get it. Can I go follow you? It's like, I don't know, can you? I, uh... I couldn't understand what this fool was saying. He kept calling some... Some carts, he was pointing at some cartoon, and he was like, pee the bed. I was like, pee the bed? What? What are they teaching you in this cartoon? And, uh... But he was saying, uh... Mirabelle, I guess, was the Encanto chick's name. Oh, right, right, right. So he was like, Mirabelle, Mirabelle. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It is. I came around on it. At first, I was like, eh. And then I was like, it's kind of slaps. The song with with the strong chick, that song is That's my favorite. I feel it it so hard. Every time it comes on, I like shed a tear. (laughs) It's so me right now. <laughs> it's funny the shit that will. Uh, I remember when my parents got divorced. I was in the, my dad's truck with him, and he turned on this like country song, and it was you know pop country or whatever, and it was like the lyrics were so um, corny or whatever. But it was about like you know life moving on and going your own way, and I was looking out the window. I was like, "This shit's fucking lame. What the fuck?" And then I look over and there's just like tears streaming down my dad's face. He was like, "Real." He was feeling it, you know. Yeah. And I was like, "Damn." Art affects people differently, I guess. Erica and I were talking about music earlier too, and how like 
you used to kind of going off of a that same monoculture conversation we were having was that just us were we talking on a show at some oh it was with alex yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah that's what it was so y'all will hear about that later but basically how there's no monoculture now like there was before when everybody like got the same download basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. had to listen to the same shit Mm -hmm. like chicago came on and we're like man these lyrics are retarded Mm -hmm. but the song goes hard Mm -hmm. and she was like he feels it he believes it (laughs) i was like yeah he's like he feels it so hard he's gonna say the same thing over and over for the next six minutes yeah yeah the on the monoculture tip i recorded an episode of lost explorers last night with chris and he has this new theory it's called the allegory of the phone booth and it reminds me of the monoculture that we're talking about so you know plato's allegory of the cave uh yeah i just pretend to be stupid on the show (laughs) (laughs) what's the allegory of the cave so the allegory of the cave is that uh everything that we see in life is as if we were people who had lived in a cave for our entire existence and the only thing that we could see was the shadows played out on the cave wall from like a a puppet show that was going on but we think that that's reality because that's all we know um does that make sense that makes sense so like there's shit outside the cave yeah but we're just seeing the shadows dance along the wall and that's what we think like everything's about yeah so he's got the allegory of the phone booth and he talks about how him and a friend of his back in the day this is when this kind of technology would have been new they were watching a uh, cctv footage that his friend had and it was cctv footage of a phone booth and people were coming and going for our zoomer listeners a phone booth is a like a bot it's like what doctor who rides around in right but they used to have <laughs> phones in them and you could you could talk to them uh or you don't talk to the phone booth you talk to people on the other end of the phone but you know it's got a cord in it you got to put a quarter in hey some people i've been dashing around galveston and i think a lot of those motherfuckers be talking to phone booths <laughs> It's crazy that Galveston still has phone booths, but makes sense, kind of. Uh, uh, you know, cities just don't uh, change anything. There's like that's there forever. Yeah, but you so know, that's, somebody else will deal with phone it. Phone booths are architecture. So he basically talks about how they sped up this CCTV footage, and <clears throat> it seemed like people were blurring together inside of the phone booth. And his friend brought up the um, Walt Whitman line, uh, I contain multitudes. I think that was Walt Whitman. Anyway, and then Chris looked at him and said, no, people don't contain multitudes, but phone booths do. And the point of it is that we are the multitudes that exist inside of our containers. That got me thinking about Barrett's podcast and why it's so good that it's named Contain. Because I think that what Chris or Barrett are touching on with this idea of the container is this wider cultural phenomena where 
we don't have that those containers anymore like we don't know what box we've been put into and years and years of being told that we have to get outside of the box and be individuals and all this kind of stuff it actually has led to us becoming more and more schizophrenic because we have to be uh, more solid and unmoving in our identity in order to be one of the many faces of the interior of our containers I thought that was kind of I thought that was lit I was like damn Chris blowing my mind again that is crazy yeah everybody needs to be listening to Lost Explorers yeah do with that an X. yeah Lost no Explorers e. it's the other podcast that people who listen to Agitator don't listen to um <laughs> Some of them do. Shout out Nick. Yeah, Nick does. Mason. Mason does. The 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 boys. That's it. The boys listen to it. The boys. But yeah, now, I'm being asked to watch Brain Candy TV. Hey, buddy, it's nine o'clock. You getting sleepy? You tired? Mercury. Yeah, that is Mercury. You're right. Hot. Damn. Mercury is hot. He's so good with the planets. Yeah. It's not. It's not cold. It, oh, that would be cold. Yeah, but Mercury is hot. Venus. Venus. So hot. Venus is hot too. That's right. <laughs> you just sit around and tell them shit. Me? Yeah. Not anymore. I used to. Now I. <laughs> now now I work. I I just. It just baffles me whenever they like it blows my mind when people start to learn things mm -hmm. and then you just get used to them talking all the time and shit yeah. like that and it's just whatever yeah but when they're first learning shit you're like how did you do that did i do something right did you like who told you that <laughs> it's so funny i never assume it's me when he says something smart i'll be like damn he must have been talking to his grandma or something like he he'll go to his grandma <laughs> And uh, it makes me realize what an awful parent I am because he'll be at his grandma's for a weekend and he'll be, he'll come back. He'll be like, hello, father. I would like some spaghetti, please. And I'm like, what the fuck? How did you wait? You learned that in two days with your grandmother and you spent every waking moment with me. And you were like, bah, dah, dah, bah, bah, dah. <laughs> father of the year. Yeah. I, uh, well, I mean, I lament a time where shit, like the world, moved a little bit slower. Mm. I know everybody older than us is going to be pissed off at that and have a lot to say, but no, nah, come on, come on. Especially if you're still doing shit, if you're older and you're still active, you know the world's moving so much faster now. It's fast. And I'm like, how am I supposed to raise kids, bro? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking like, about. I this. gotta teach them manners and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. We were talking about this. Uh, trying to turn this down a little bit so that our audience doesn't have to listen to Brain Candy TV at the same time as us. Oh, they're gonna be hearing Brain Candy and Super Mario Brothers. Because <laughs> we've been running around, and so bedtime this is exactly what I'm talking about right now. Like, there's no bedtime ritual because we've been running around all the, and then we got to do mm -hmm. this because it's part of what. Pays the bill. First of the month is coming around. And, dude, uh, dude, I'm about to lose my shit right now because I can't find the fucking remote. This is the and it's this kind of stuff that makes you completely snap, 
right? This is why, mm-hmm. you know, this is why parents put cigarettes out on their kids, you know? It's because they can't find the remote. <laughs> Yeah, that's always the final, the final straw. Yeah, it's just it's just the one thing where it's like I turned the fucking TV on like an hour ago, and there's nowhere this shit could have gone. And then you start looking at the kid, you start blaming him. You'd be like, you did something with it, didn't you? <laughs> you said, uh, "Mom's putting cigarettes out on their kids." Mm-hmm. That um, I always when I think of bad moms. Brian Carr wrote a story that it sticks with me so hard. like that's it stuck with me so hard that like that's what I think of every time I think of bad moms is uh this really short story where it's just like it's more a joke where like this kid is getting in trouble and his mom's like go go get me a switch from the backyard um the biggest one you can find and he comes back in and he's like I couldn't find a switch but so I got you this flower and she says, that's okay. I'll use my fist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. Classic, Brian. I love that pool. And his mom is great. I met her and I was like, you're not a bitch at all. Really oh, nice. Yeah, I never met his mom. I'm sure she's lovely. Um, yeah, man. I uh, t- On the busyness shit, since starting a full-time job, the thing is, dude, is that the job is actually pretty easy. It's just public speaking all day long. Like, I just have to do public speaking. You know? I read a Sherman Alexi story today out loud. And, uh, bro, dude, I'm about to be a fire reader, by the way. In like a year, I might get all my practice in. Oh, yeah. On a, yeah. On a completely Daily. uninterested audience. <laughs> it's just like, I fucking. Yeah, it's like hitting the gym. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I can already feel my. Completely uninterested flexing. because you're, uh, you're, you're reading to handicapped people <laughs> at the library. <laughs> Your job is a volunteer reader at the. <laughs> they pay me in at the, the deaf library. Yeah, they pay me at the, at the free, in free donuts or whatever. It's like I brought a bunch of stories yeah. to read, and it's like, dude, we told you this yesterday. They're deaf. It's like, yeah, but this one goes hard, though. Yeah, but I, I told I told my wife I'm doing like that I'm working, so I gotta look <laughs> like I'm doing something. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm gonna do when she when she's like, so where's the money? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's already she's at work right now, but she's already like. Uh, yeah, can you uh, can you sell me some money? And I was like, for what? <laughs> what what do you need money for? No, not really. No, it's all good. That was the deal. That was the thing. She's been whipping ass at this. I knew that as soon as we switched places and I started working full time, that she would take to it. And she really did. She really. Although she will send me texts sometimes during the day where she's like, "This kid's fucking annoying." And I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You thought I was lying. You thought I was. You thought I was being a baby. But no, no, he's 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 a fucking monster for sure. Um, she's she's not one of the ten women who listen to Agitator, huh? No, no, she does not listen to Agitator. Uh, it's good our wives don't listen to our. Show. Yeah, it's probably for the best. That'd be weird too. Mm-hmm. What would I talk about? It'd be like, 
hey and just repeat some shit i said to you mm-hmm. and she'd be like yeah i already i heard that yeah exactly this is where we pour out our souls i was interested in this episode in particular because of the last minute nature of it i was i was curious as to what we would talk about because i'm concerned i'm concerned that having a job on the one hand i kind of didn't didn't want to bring it up too much i wanted to keep it separate but then it takes up one third of my waking hours so that's my content i'm not sure what i what i'm going to do if i don't talk about it because there's so much good content already you just uh just pretend you work at a prison and everybody you interact with are uh either inmates or staff oh and, that's uh, good that's good yeah, just re just reframe it like that. Yeah, I should. Seems like a similar similar setup. Yeah, I should say that I work at a at a for profit prison, and that I am in charge of their marketing department. What would be more fucked up, honestly, like the way you said it, like would a f- what's worse, a non profit prison? For profit is definitely like we just worse. started this out of the goodness of our hearts. You yeah, know? no, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> it makes it sound like a charity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. But for profit, God gave me the vision to open up a prison. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So do y'all make any money off this? Is like hell no. We do it for the love, bro. We do it for Jesus. Yeah, we do it for Jesus. It's like, oh, okay, so that means you like rehabilitate. It's like, oh, hell no. This is. We said Jesus. Oh no, we beat the yeah, shit we out of him. The fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> we don't got AC in this bitch. <laughs> There's plagues that have not existed for hundreds of years that are inside this place. Yeah, we just named the different cell blocks after different infections. Yeah. There's the AIDS block, Ebola block, this is the tuberculosis the- ward. It's like, what about, the, what, what that, about this one? This one doesn't have a... What is this one called? It's the R block. It's like, oh, that's just rape. That's just where the rape happens. Yeah. <laughs> that's just where it goes. Yeah. No. It's kind of like everybody can go there, you know? It's like the yard. <laughs> if you want some time off from the uh, extinct, archaic disease blocks, you can you can take a breather over in the rape ward. <laughs> It's like, damn, I'm tired of, I'm tired of getting chewed on by rats. I think I'm just gonna go for a little light uh, R and R. R and R. Rape and rape. Rape, rape and resist. <laughs> no, no. It's the only. That's. It's like you can only come onto R block if you pretend like you don't like it. <laughs> oh please stop this is so much worse than tuberculosis I think that for profit prisons are definitely well because that just that creates the incentive to arrest people if, you, if they're not for profit then people get arrested for actually doing shit and put in prison for actually doing shit for the most part right I'm, I know that's not uh, always true but for profit, I mean, System of a Down talked about this in 2001. It's like one of the the major problems with America and why uh, 
Oklahoma in particular has the highest rate of incarcerated women in the country. Like Oklahoma is the kind of place that makes women like give birth, like locked up, like they they strap them down, let them pop out the baby. Damn, Lady Snowblood style. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's kind of fucking crazy, but I like that very mild mild that statement crazy. about that. It's like I I think it's wrong. I think that's <laughs> personally me. It is. That is really ridiculous. You know what? You've sold me. I My new take is for-profit prisons are bad. Yep. I'm glad I could bring you over to my side. See, sometimes debate yeah. does work. See, you know what? Now this is going to be our biggest episode because our, uh, our number one for <coughs> years is when we were talking about immigration. And look... Uh, that's what the people want to hear us convince each other the opposite of where we began. Mm-hmm. So now, mm-hmm. you know what? For-profit prisons. I don't. I don't think it's. I think we should reconsider. Yeah, I'm down for that. We should start a nonprofit to shut down for-profit prisons. Yeah, we're gonna start a prison, agitate a prison. Yep. Um. To to keep. You know, cause, cause where are you gonna go? It's like if you got if you got this place, then that's the, lo- that's the motto. That other that's one? the commercial. It's like agitator prison. Cause where are you gonna go? <laughs> oh shit! You got. You got <laughs> new inmates come out of their storming out of their cells like I don't want all this fucking gas hentai on my on my walls and shit it's like oh calm down first off why are you talking like a black guy yeah. you weren't say you weren't talking like that when we brought mm-hmm. you in here uh, <laughs> oh it's too funny second of all where are you gonna go it's <laughs> where are you gonna go? This is agitator prison. The hentai stays on the wall. Oh man, that's great. That's great. I feel like we could I, we could make a we could make a bag off of prisons. Yo. No, see, it's non-profit. It's non-profit. Yo, you should be a prison guard. I've uh, considered it. Because uh, it seems kind of easy to get that position down here. Mm-hmm. I've known a lot of retards who uh, have done mm-hmm. that. I'm like, damn, they hired you? Like, did you just walk in and wear the uniform or what? Yeah. Oh. I mean, they would have. They would hire you. And you, like you said, <laughs> it would be easy. I mean, most days would probably just be normal. Like, you'd just kind of be hanging out. Making sure everybody's cool. Oh no, yeah, I'm I'm close I'm close to somebody who used to used to do that, and it was like it sounded like the funnest shit ever. Yeah. To me, you know, I know he had days of being like, "Fuck this shit," mm-hmm. but uh, I was always like, "Bro, okay, give me the stories." Yeah, you get really good stories. I uh, my brother-in-law used to work for a prison. He's in the military now, but he used to work for a prison, and he'd always have stories. It's just like your normal stuff, like dudes, you know, trying to throw cum on you, and pretty hilarious stuff, all told. But and a lot of it, 
for the same from the same motive that put them in mm. it's just you know bored it's like what am I gonna do might as well like shove a starburst up my asshole and bend over when you walk by <laughs> you're like what the fuck like, you didn't think you see that today did you call that the chocolate starburst bitch <laughs> didn't know they came in that flavor huh? <laughs> only in our block it's a prison where all the stuff is just like really stupid you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I've heard a prison story from kind of from either side, I follow it a little more from the prison guards, probably because they have to write it up, you know? And so they have to, they, they have the essay already in their head mm-hmm. of how they told the story to their bosses. But like from prison, like every time I've known somebody on the opposite end who comes out, it's like, you know, telling stories of this and that that went down. I'm always so confused. I'm like, so wait, how did this start? Why were y'all rioting? Who hit who? And it's always like, man, I don't know. Where'd you get all the baby powder? Where'd that come into play? Dude, <laughs> the I, when I get on uh, TikTok, which is not very often, TikTok has no idea who I am. It's the same as uh, Instagram when you when you delete all your information from Instagram, it doesn't know who you are. And the funniest shit happens. So I deleted all my information. So it just thinks like, okay, we know he's 36. We know he's white and we know he's male. And we're pretty sure he's straight. We're going to show him Andrew Tate videos. It was just nothing but Andrew Tate videos. (laughs) And then... Is that what it... Huh? Does it think... I wonder what it thinks I am. Because I just get those like weirdly shaped possibly ai bikini bitches mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but when i do go on tiktok uh it shows me uh body cam footage so you know cops cops arrest shoplifter and shoot mm-hmm, shoot him in the head mm-hmm. which is a real video well, i didn't make that up that's they really they do that shit um and then also prison videos and when i watch the prison videos because you know i do watch them it's like reality TV shit. There was this one dude who said, uh, you know, so we got this this new young blood on the block, on the on the cell block, right? I sound like Michael Scott when he's prison Mike. That's, that's what on the cell block. On, on the on on the celly block. And he was tripping, dog. But uh, so basically, this guy's talking about how they got a new dude in there, and the guy didn't. He wanted a bunk, and but it was somebody else's bunk, and it was like a five-minute video of this escalating tension where he's like, "So I sent my soldiers to go talk to him, and his soldiers are skinny white kids with face tattoos, who are like negotiating with this dude to move beds or whatever." But it's all it's all shit like that. It's just people getting under each other's <laughs> skin, except yeah, these are yeah. ma- massively maladjusted human beings who stab each other when they don't like each other instead of i don't know running to hr or whatever it almost gets even worse when they get out because they know they don't want to stab you because they're out and they don't want to go back Mm -hmm. but they're still petty about everything newly like fresh out of prison motherfuckers are so petty about everything Mm. and you're always like and it's never it's it's like so petty that it's never uh 
Well, first of all, that's, that's who I grew up around, so I like I ain't intimidated by anybody. But like, it's not scary. It's retarded. Mm. You're like, what are you mad about now? Are you for real? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, are you twelve and a girl? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's because that's all they had to be mad about for like eight years with shit like that like yo who sat on my bed it's like oh that was that was me sorry did you just bump into me right <laughs> right right did i just bump into you at schlitter bond yeah yeah bro you better say you're sorry like what <laughs> but what wait why it's like they're they're big they're you you have bills now you're 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 back in society <laughs> That's a. What we should really do, instead of you know we're thinking about uh, we're thinking about this backwards. What we should do is open up a rehabilitation center, mm. a welcome back to society center, some place where you know we can take those petty fools and teach them things like baking. Oh, baking. And, right, like as like cupcakes, and, like making cupcakes, for example. Yeah, like cupcakes, selling those cupcakes, try and raise money for the place where we teach them to bake cupcakes. And we'll like sit in circles and look at each other and we'll tell each other that, you know, you know, I'm thinking about like maybe all these face tattoos, like thinking I should take them off. Mm-hmm. But then I'm thinking like, who am I underneath my face tattoos, you know? It would be, that would be like, weird to we see all, you without face all. tattoos, actually. Like, Kelby without face tattoos. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see it. I don't, I low-key would, like, go crazy if Eric didn't stop me. Mm. She's like, it's already enough that you have any at all. Like, that's, that's good. I'm like, but I could, like, get your name on my eyebrow, baby. <laughs> Just the urge to cover the face with ink, like right next to like an oni mask in the middle. Yeah, that would go hard. You know know that. I think that would go hard. I think a forehead. Dude, get the Manson. The Manson, but it's an oni mask. Uh huh. Exactly. Just right there in the middle. Yeah, bro. That would be good. Uh, For people who don't know, what Kelby's been referencing is actually at 100% his idea. He came up with it right now. Yeah, I just came up with it. Yeah. And then like when my cousin gets out, I can give him, I can hook him up over there, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But I'll be like mean as fuck to him cuz he was always a bully to me when I was coming up. So I'm gonna be like you're my bitch now. Yeah. And uh he's going to try to like better his life and seek therapy and shit and I'm just like make fun of him and be like Psh. Referencing Austin Powers, you're not funny. I have to check his ass. Sometimes I, I gotta check his sometimes ass. Sometimes I gotta check sometimes, his ass. Sometimes, you know, I won't write him up. I won't write him up. But you know, just check his ass. I'll just, I'll just check him. Check his ass. Uh, yeah, this fool, a show uh, written and created by a man named Chris Estrada, is, in my opinion, the best thing that I've seen on TV in, in a very long time. Bro, the last time they're they're nothing alike 
but it's just the same like uh feeling of oh shit i have something that i really fuck with now um i ain't felt like this since atlanta it's similar too about a show yeah i feel like atlanta it's kind of broke those barriers down right so what i think it is basically whenever people are like it's atlanta ish um there are some shows where i've seen people talk about like oh you'll fuck with this it's kind of like it's got like atlanta vibes and they just mean that they do random weird shit and i'm like nah this is stupid name names it's just like random what shows are stupid to do this uh like recently like uh well the most recent it's not the only example but like i tried watching that i'm a virgo Mm -hmm. and uh all of the fantastical elements are cool as shit and like the stylistic choices are cool as shit i loved sorry to bother you me too yeah and i get that like there was like commentary going on in that and everything but i'm a virgo there's so much communist shit that i'm just like how like how in 2023 are you pretending to be a communist still like Mm. stop Mm. and it's like speak on it yeah, some people could argue that like, well, that's like a character in it that's being, you know, really annoying. But I'm like, I don't think she's not really portrayed like she's supposed to be annoying. She's getting on my nerves, but she kind of seems like she's put in, you know, front and center. Like you're supposed to be paying attention to. I don't know. There's a bunch of annoying communist shit. But like uh, what? Like what do they say in that? I ain't seen the show. Uh, that communism is cool. Nah, they just go in like really long. Um, uh like so like this character who you have no attachment to whatsoever he's just like a dude who chills with him for like three or four episodes i think and then like he is riding his bicycle it goes from a scene it goes from like an example of what i really love about the show which is like he's just riding his bike right Mm -hmm. and then he he holds his phone out to take a picture he's like yeah what's up and then he like pops a wheelie and then all of a sudden he's riding up through the air like he his bike just levitates and now he's just riding through the air like that's just something you can do Mm. and like he's not high he's not on you know nothing like that it's just like how the show is it's just like oh and now he's floating through the air it's like a title of the creator music video or something like just weird and then he falls on a uh like he falls out of the air and lands on some rebar that goes through his gut and i was like oh shit and like all that was cool it was trippy and like what the fuck this is weird this is kind of a vibe and then he goes to the hospital and they won't help him and then it turns into this thing about like oh my god he's dead like he dies Mm. he goes to the he dies damn from floating through the air on his bicycle casually and then falling running out of levitation juice i guess and uh falling on some rebar and then the hospital rejects him because he has no insurance and then he dies and then it's a long uh it's like a whole ass episode of like lectures on the medical system in america and all the pharmaceutical structure like nothing i disagree with that's fucked up but like it's like okay 
you want to get back to watching a show? What like, I'm hearing there's from also this, a part where, what I'm hearing from this is that all of communists' problems are imaginary. What are what are their Oh right, cuz they just like riding a bicycle through the air. That's yeah, not real. Yeah, yeah, right. You know when you're you know when you're riding your bicycle through the air and you fall It's like talking to a communist it's like, it's, and then you die. Yeah, it's like when they go like, "Well, see, here's the thing. Like, let's say you were riding a bicycle and you started flying through the air and then your levitation juice ran out. You got a piece of rebar through your stomach. Okay. Now you have to go to the hospital. Well, let me tell you about da, 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 da. It's like, "Yeah, but that would never happen." And they say, oh, pff, yeah, okay, well, whatever, Chud, whatever, uh, whatever name they, they call people. I'm so glad I'm not political anymore. I'm post-political. Bro, this fool is post-political. For sure it I is. I was like, and then when, when I was listening to, um, like, I went two whole seasons. I, like, binge-watched this shit on a, over maybe a week of, like... It was what I put on when I washed the dishes, and then it was what I put on when trying to deal with this teething baby um, in the middle of the night. And so, uh, and I kept like, well, I wasn't on edge the whole time because it won me over pretty fast. And then I was just along for the ride. But by the end of it, I was like, damn, there, there wasn't any kind of political shit in there. No, it's all character-based. It seems like the way that they go with this fool, it feels like his goal is to... It feels like the show's goal, anyway, is to make sure every character is developed. That's the goal. And so I liked the fact that in very Atlanta fashion, you know, even the mom, Esperant, like, she gets her own episodes, you know. I love her episodes. Yeah, and her too. episodes go hard the one, as fuck. The one where uh, she's stealing shit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "No, you don't pay for toilet paper. I get it from work." And they're all like, "My asshole is bleeding." <laughs> no, oh, dude, because she steals from the office. But the one in season two, dude, where that one goes wild, where she hits the old lady with her with her oh car because <laughs> she can't. She refuses to so, wear her glasses. Yeah, yeah, so she refuses to wear glasses, and she's retired. Like, they uh, they kind of force her into retirement, it They replace like, her with another her clean... Esperanza. <laughs> another Esperanza, yeah. And from the, from the cleaning lady job at this office building, and uh, so she's like, what is it, like, day one of retirement? She's folding everybody's clothes and shit, and um, they all get, like, at the house. They all live together. You know, it's like, it's her, her mom, her daughter, and then her other, wait, the other daughter doesn't live with them, does she? Or she's just over there all the time? She's over there all the time, yeah. Okay, okay. So it's like one of her daughters and her son, Julio, and then her, and then his cousin, I guess her like nephew. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh they're all living together and then julio and louise 
they move out at the end of season one into the neighbor's garage mm-hmm. where they start paying rent. Mm-hmm. But uh, still, in season two, she's, well, yeah, she's like first day of retirement. She's like doing everybody's laundry. And they're like, what the fuck? I don't want these like sock bunnies and shit. Like, why would you wash my clothes? I was, you know, shit that you get mad about honestly louise trips pretty hard it's like that prison style shit Mm -hmm. it's like why would you like no you do not do my laundry like i had these these jeans are ruined now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're supposed to be dry clean and you ruined them yeah it's like did you wash my jeans now i uh yeah so she's trying to figure out some shit to do and then day two she runs over an old lady (laughs) and then it becomes like a crime (laughs) episode it's so crazy so this is basically a crime horror show i want to get it like we're gonna dig into more of what those atlanta vibes quote like what that means yeah. it's like a it's like a crime horror show but it's a sitcom yep like it is every single episode it's a sitcom mm-hmm. but it feels dark it's weird how it's like it takes it scrubs kind of did this mm-hmm. but but scrubs gimmick was i feel like in later seasons of scrubs because i actually watched i did watch that whole show back when it Me came too. on yeah um there were later seasons where it started getting real like really weird and trippy and like kind of dark at places but in the beginning it's whole gimmick it's whole setup was like this is funny because everything about it is a sitcom but we're framing it like it's not like yeah. there is no laugh track right. there is no live studio audience the cameras are up close you know we're, we've got like close and reverse shots we're not doing the whole studio like soundstage thing so but everything about it is what a sitcom would be but we're filming it like it's a movie or something so like that was they kind of started that shit so that's what they had to go on Atlanta took it a step further by being all like so this is kind of like it's a sitcom but what if it's also like Twin Peaks Mm -hmm. but what if it's also like set in Atlanta and about like rappers and shit and it turned and then this full yeah so like it's it's basically you take that sitcom but you strip away like the sitcom aesthetics and then you just add and then you just zoom in on on a certain place you like so it's like it's a sitcom and it's about east la and cholos and shit but it's like it's like friday but it's also kind of like i don't even know what else it's also kind of like it's just like because i was getting major friday vibes yeah there's there's the a beginning. literal friday homage twice in it when he keeps tripping on the remote control cars and then and then he falls and they're like you fell hard bro <laughs> yeah you got knocked that, the fuck that, out. like you got knocked the fuck yeah. out yeah, yeah when they're playing dice and shit yeah yeah they're, they're, yeah and uh well and then later on whenever julio uh the hugs knock thug center gets shut down and then julio's all depressed and shit and all just like wearing his bathrobe and everything louise is like you ain't got shit to do so, yeah there you go mm-hmm. another there's another friday little wink but it it just feels there's never any monsters there's never any like whoa this just got crazy like but it feels like a horror show somehow too it's weird Hmm. 
Yeah, I could see that. And I don't know if it, it's all like tone, I guess. Yeah, there's a few episodes in particular that definitely feel like horror. Um, when they when they go to find Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos is in it. He plays the guy who runs the nonprofit that they work for. Uh, he's great. He's great. He's like, he might be my favorite character. The running gag with him is that he has an enormous wiener. That's that's the joke. <laughs> And they find some yeah. way to make that funny every time. But Well, what Chris Estrada does like the thing about the humor, what Chris Estrada does really well with like his approach to humor is uh because he plays Julio, but he's like also like the creator, like the brain of the, the visionary show. Yeah. He's the visionary. <laughs> I love that he's like literally that mm-hmm. in real life and he makes fun of himself in that but like listening to how this fool is like this fool like the uh chris estrada the real life fool like he seems like a nothing at all like julio really except for his tastes like he's always dressing like he's wearing hardcore punk band t-shirts yeah, fucked up and, and levi's and, and shit like that yeah yeah and uh uh rocket what's that one that that like only Mexicans know about. It's like rocket something. I don't. I don't uh, know about that type of stuff. I don't either. I'm not really a punk person. I rec- I noticed uh, the Clash. He had a Clash poster, but uh, yeah. But like um, what was I saying? He's a oh every character like that you would think is like hey the joke is like he has a a, a really big dick. It's like, it's a, it's also tragic. There's always a tragic element to the yeah, character. It's yeah. never just like, hey, what if this guy? It's like, no, this actually. Even Louise is like, okay, he's like that cousin, you know, who like he's been in prison and shit, but he's always goofy and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like he's always referencing Austin Powers and other old ass movies because he was locked <laughs> up and so he's like stuck in another. <laughs> he's stuck in another decade, and uh. It's like, no, all that Austin Powers referencing is coming from, like, the only good experiences he had with his with his dad. Right. And, like, and shit. It's like, oh, damn. Right. <laughs> I particularly like uh, Michael Imperioli's uh, uh, Major Pain, right? Uh, it's, Pain is his name. And so he's the guy who runs Hugs Not Thugs, which is the convict rehab center that Julio works at. Um by the way, as a side note, I know somebody who who is Julio. When I worked at Adventures in Learning in El Paso, like I basically worked with Julio, right? So every time I see it, <laughs> the guy, dude, he is he is my buddy Jose. Like exactly, like if Estrada's not like that, he knows somebody like that. It's like that cancer energy, real anal, uh, always negative. Uh, but still, like, somehow, level, like, when I think about Jose, like, I love him. Like, that's my dude. And then if you were to ask me why, I'd be like, I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> why I love that guy. Um, yeah. But uh, I listened to one interview with Chris Estrada, and he doesn't seem like that at all. But he definitely knows people. Right. Right, I'm sure he's, yeah, I'm sure, I mean, those people are everywhere. So with uh, the, the pain character, you know, he's got this huge penis, and uh, he basically runs out of money, like the nonprofit runs out of money, and they have one opportunity 
to make enough money to keep their rehab center open. And so what happens is Fred Armisen, just like, this is like a perfect role for Fred Armisen. Like he comes in as this billionaire who uh, feels really guilty about being born uh, as, as a billionaire because his parents ran for-profit prisons. <laughs> And so, like, on his eighth on his eighth DUI, he sends himself to jail for thirty days. So he thinks that he understands the plight of prisoners in for-profit prisons, but he's a philanthropist, and they need his money. So the whole episode is about them trying to. It has some of the best gags in the whole show. Like one of the funniest scenes in this is when Fred Armisen's billionaire character walks into their computer lab, and they got these old ass iMacs or whatever. And one of the prisoners has to give a speech about how he could, how he could turn his life around, if he just had better computers, and it just devolves into like nonsense. He's like, and so computers in my life, when I have them, a computer recidivism, what, dude, I was fucking dying. Recidivism, <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, he at one point holds up the paper they gave yeah. him. And he's just reading off of it <laughs> while he's looking at him. And he's looking like anxious as fuck. And Fred Armisen is standing there just like with this sincere look of like empathy on his face. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see. I can see your struggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like reading the script right in front yeah, of him. Yeah, dude. And so basically, as it turns out, Armisen and his weird wife, who's white, uh, they have a fetish where they like to like she likes to have sex with uh like really down and out gross dudes and then he watches so he's going to give hugs not thugs 15 million dollars if pain imperioli's character can bang his wife in a dirty van <laughs> and oh and some of some of the like so pain is sitting there and he basically this whole Payne has a lot of, uh, I don't know class if I'd rage. call it, but he's not really pride, dignity. He has a lot of class rage and he has dignity, but he really cares. Like his dignity is kind of his downfall and that he runs a nonprofit. Right. Because he really cares about these dudes, mm -hmm. but he has so much like, yeah, class rate. He hates billionaires and his uh julio is kind of telling him the whole time like bro you need to like keep your nuts in your pants and you need to and this is like this is before we find out he has an enormous dong uh or no 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 no. that's the setup of yeah it, right they find out because he's sleeping just in a, his van and they're like holy shit look at the size they, of that yeah van. they open up the van and yeah it's like a throwaway joke at the beginning you think mm -hmm. and then later on it's like their whole downfall but uh yeah, so he's like combating the whole episode internally with being, with having like dignity mm -hmm. and also being like, I do need these people's money. Right. Um, and uh, so whenever they're sitting at the table and he's like, I want to, yeah, I want to help you with this place, whatever, like you name a price. And he's just like, he thinks he's giving him like a fuck you. And he's like a million dollars. And Julio looks at him like, what the fuck? And, uh, but the guy is like, that's it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I was thinking like 15. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you're like, oh shit. Like you feel like this show's really good about you feeling like you have some investment in them succeeding. 
because I remember when I watched that I was like oh let's go hugs not thugs will live to see another day not so fast the next episode they're trying to steal an oven because the way that hugs not thugs makes money is by baking cupcakes and selling them to grocery stores so they're trying to steal this oven and they're like didn't you get the money and he was like no because I couldn't I, his penis was too big to have well <laughs> he, he's he lies to him at first that's right that's he's right. like you know these things you know i lost it i lost the check he's like you lost a 15 million dollar check he's like i was just i don't know i'm sleeping in a van you know and i mm-hmm. but then he's like you know it's it's whatever it's fine you know they'll send another one but in the meantime we got to get this up our ovens exploded and the ovens exploded because Julio has the evil eye. Oh, that's right. And so yeah, he's yeah, cursed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Julio is there. Um, I love how it's like, so this is how you do it, right? Like, I'm not a fan of random shit. I actually kind of hate random shit, but I like weird shit. But whenever you can connect weird shit to actually mattering to the to the story you're presenting, like that's, I don't know. I think that's when it's more interesting. It's like Julio is cursed with the evil eye. You're like, oh, that's weird. And y'all are taking this seriously. Like, he's legit cursed. And uh, so there's like a magical realism element to it. But then it's like, that actually affects everybody around him. Like, he goes up to Hugs Not Thugs and the ovens explode because he's cursed. And they're like, what the fuck? Now we need ovens. Let me go on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. And he like goes no he goes to this guy's house to buy to buy the oven and the guy says it's gonna be a thousand and he goes like I don't know it looks a little damaged and he starts hitting it with a sledgehammer so he's like he's lost his mind and then so finally they steal they steal the oven and uh, it rolls down a hill into the van that he's sleeping in explodes and explodes <laughs> I love that I love that it, it explodes yeah. and that like why would why would that even happen. <laughs> And then they're like, it's okay, though, because you got that money, right? And he's like, no. He's like, I couldn't do it because, yeah, his penis wouldn't fit in the uh, in the lady. So It's too big. Which is, his penis just, is too big. the stupidest fucking thing. <laughs> My penis is too big for her vagina. He's the perfect actor, too, because, like, he's like the, you know, he's the dumbass nephew from The Sopranos, mm-hmm. but that was a long-ass time ago. Yeah. He's like, he plays the the like cynical old not old but like middle-aged he plays that cynical middle-aged dude so oh, like well. in white lotus it's yeah. like the yeah yeah he was really good at that in white lotus and here it's like i like it a little bit more i mean it's different roles that's weird to compare or whatever mm-hmm. but i i really love this character because he's like he's like that he's like that guy from white lotus but a guy who has nothing, like a poor guy mm-hmm. version of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh, that reminds me of my other favorite character, which is the chef. Uh, I don't know who that motherfucker is, but he is hilarious. He's like this huge, muscular black dude with the craziest teeth I've ever seen. Uh, he he has like Rowan's teeth. And, <laughs> 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 I like look at him and look over at Rowan. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's y'all's gap about that. There's a great gag with him too, where after Hugs Not Thugs closes, he gets a job as a chef in a high end restaurant, and he's he's like he's like making money. He's like uh, all of his employees want to fuck him, 
and you know he's like uh what what's gordon his name Ramsey. uh he's like yeah he's like gordon Ramsay. Yeah. he has this weird like critique line for food yeah this like does it float does it float yeah does the cupcake float? So he, yeah <laughs> he has to take out a pitcher of a big vase of water and he's like oh yeah he's tasting and everything and the first couple of course he like spits them on the people he's like this is shit mm-hmm. and then uh and then this lady he's like taste he's like you did excellent this is amazing this is wonderful He's like, but does it float? And he brings out this <laughs> big, huge, like, beaker with water <laughs> and puts the cupcake into it. It's so funny. And, of course, the cupcake sink. And I was wondering, too. I was like, do cupcakes float? Like, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what this should do. I think it's... Is this ridiculous? I think it's because, yeah, they're supposed to be fluffy, right? They're supposed to have, like, pockets of air in them or whatever. Right, um, right, right. But... So anyway, so this this one episode, which is actually our roundabout way of getting back to what we were talking about with the horror element, in this episode, uh, Hugs Not Thugs is shut down. Julio wants to start a coffee shop, but has no idea, you know, how to do it. So he's enlisting people to help him do it. They find the chef, and Julio says, "You know, we need you. We need your 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 chef expertise." And the chef goes, "I've got. I make six figures. I've got a four hundred one k." people here fear me or want to have sex with me my life has never been better than it's been before so my answer is absolutely not no and then julio goes come on man please and then the chef pauses he goes all right you've convinced me i'll do it and (laughs) even that throwaway joke though becomes an element of his character like later on in that episode, he's like, I could never, yes. he's like, I could never say no to anything. And it's because I grew up in the hood and I felt like I didn't have options. I didn't want to be in a gang. I wanted to do this instead. I didn't want to go to jail. I wanted to, to go to prom. And it's this actual like kind of powerful moment, but it's all based off of this fucking silly joke at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. like, I don't know. I used to say that I don't care about uh, plot and shit, but I don't, I don't think that's true. I just don't, I just don't like when people, I don't like to see where shit is going. Mm. Maybe that's it. Mm. And you add an extra layer of surprise whenever you throw in like seemingly random shit, like really weird, like you crank up the weirdness, but if you can crank up the weirdness and still deliver, like still have a payoff somewhere, a punchline with it then you're like oh shit yeah it hits right well what like it actually hits what if what you don't like is at is when these kind like what you're what you're calling preachiness in i'm a virgo is actually just because it's abstracted you know what i mean maybe the fact that it is fantastical is what's bothering you because what works in this fool is that it's not preaching to you because it's showing you the human consequence of certain things. It's never spending too long on it, but it is saying, hey, this isn't what's wrong with the system. This is just a guy, this is what happened to this guy because of this, right? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Actually, what I want is plot. That's all I want. Yeah. I want you to keep me in a story. Like, that's it. I came for a story, so tell me the story. Yeah, exactly. Not like... Not like here is this concept called, you know, the, the 
health insurance industry or the for-profit prison industrial complex. You know, I'm like, what is this a YouTube? Yeah, right. It's like, okay, but then it's like, here, let's take 30 minutes and shows like this in Atlanta prove that's all you fucking need and show you like what has happened to them because of this. And then you figure it out because you're a smart person. You know, we just, we just show you. I think that's what makes it work. This shit is so tightly written and so, so well acted too, because like, I think an element of that might be that a lot of them are comedians. Mm -hmm. Uh, From what I know, at least uh, Louise and Julio, they're, they're comedians. And Julio was working at a warehouse, or Chris Estrada, he was like working at a warehouse even when he sold the show to Hulu. Mm. Like he was a, you know, like a working class, like like us. Like he was, he did stand up, and they went to his job at the warehouse, and he uh, developed this show. And like I don't know this man, so however the fuck, you know, he gets it in the hands of somebody, and they're like, we're gonna develop this, and he's like, okay, cool. And he's still working at the warehouse because he's like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen with that show. Yeah. Like, I got to pay the bills, bro. Super (laughs) relatable. Yeah. If something were to. Super relatable. I got my shit in the hands of people and I'm like, can y'all like just get over yourselves? Oh, dude, I've already. Let my movies happen. I've said, you know, this job that I have, like, and I'm being dead serious. When shit pops off, like when we start making, you know, $10,000 a month from this podcast or whatever I'm not quitting that job you see what I'm saying like I'm not I'm not getting rid of that because number one I don't like it could be gone the next month you never know the internet is fickle that way like we could miss a fucking episode and everybody cancels or maybe the 10,000 was just because people wanted to hear something uh, fucked up that we say and then once they hear it they cancel and then yeah the 10,000 people kind of like the exodus we had after December yeah where, exactly uh, everybody it, it just is what it is and I'm I'm of the mind of like people will come for different reasons and people with longevity stick to their principles I don't, or I don't know if principles is the thing but just they they just lead with their heart mm. like what we started this show because we talk to each other all the time and we were like, might as well record this and make it a show. Mm-hmm. And like, we just stick to that and just, you know, whoever's along for the ride, that's how you last in the long run. Because I've done things that ain't no, you know, I've beefed with certain people that some people were like, man, this is like career suicide. What are you doing? And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Don't fuck with this motherfucker. I'm not going to pretend to. Mm-hmm. And then later on, everybody forgets that fool. And other people come in who are like, hey, what's your deal with so-and-so? I saw that, like, you, you, you didn't fuck with that person. And by the way, I know all these other people that you can fuck with. <laughs> and mm-hmm. It's like, cool. Like, things ebb and flow. So you can just, you might as well remain you. Yep, pretty much. I mean, yeah, that's, that's how I see it, too. I used to, um, you know, when it comes to books, you know, I was in that world for so long. I think you just it's like any other job you start to see that as the whole world and if it's like when people get fired from jobs like people who take uh, let's see I've known people like when I worked at the hot dog restaurant 
you know, who like took the hot dog restaurant really seriously. Or no, a better example would be Kirkland's in the mall. It's a home decor store. And, uh, you know, I'd have managers who took that shit crazy seriously, you know? And if the, the GM was coming to the store, they'd be like, this has to look perfect. And I'd be like, what, what's really bothering you? Like, what, why are you so, why are you tripping about this right now? And it would be because they would be afraid that they were going to lose their job. And you wanted to just tell them, like, you can just go get another job that's exactly like this somewhere else. <laughs> like, yeah. if you are good at working at Target, that means you, or I'm sorry, at uh, Kirkland's, and you'd be good at working at Bed Bath & Beyond, Bath & like anything. Retail's all the same. It's all the same shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when it... Yeah, you dress up some end caps and you yep. sell things. Yeah, you, you fucking put your marketing up you make sure that your conversion's good it's all it's all the same shit so when it comes to art people are the same way and they become terrified of upsetting this this group of people because they begin to think that's all there is to it but as we find out in short order there are people out here who are making crazy money i don't know writing extreme horror or you know romance books about people who gave them bad reviews you know like (laughs) (laughs) and and they don't i mean those people don't care and it drives it drives the people we're talking about crazy because they're like well how do you why do you think you can act that way like why do you get to do this like you're not you're not playing my game and the answer is because they don't have to they just they just don't have to and I'm, i'm sorry but that's just how it is yeah which is all to say that like we're not gonna just lean in to a scorched earth episode every every quarter or something right so we get another like flux of listeners oh, who no, just want to no, like no 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 <laughs> for me honestly it's all water under the bridge anybody wants to come back be friends i'm fine with it uh but just know that i i just it's because i don't care and we're like you know, we're never going to be tight ever again. But I'm not. I'm not fighting with people anymore. It's not. I'm. In fact, no. I'm going to cut the part out where I ranted a little bit in the Alex episode because I just don't care enough to to leave that shit in. Okay, cool. So you're going to edit that one? Oh yeah, absolutely. I um. <laughs> well, it's three weeks, dog. Like I was like, okay, I got time. I got time to do this one. Um. I like. I like. I was like. Hey, hey, bro. Uh, yeah, so we recorded a couple of days uh, in advance. So you got this? Okay, cool. Well, this one's three weeks ahead. You know what, bro? I got this. Bro. Yeah, I yeah, got this. Exactly, exactly. Got to make sure I have time. Got to make sure I have time. It's very, very Julio of you. Absolutely, visionary baby. Got to make sure I keep my, got to <laughs> keep my vision. But uh, that episode in particular, Rios and I were watching it, and we were like, "Yo, this is like," I was getting. That probably cured me of writer's block for the rest of my life because watching how annoying he is with his writer's block. Bro, yes. Yeah, yeah, whole episode he's just sitting there with a fucking cup of coffee and staring at a screen that says mission statement, employ ex-felons and make good coffee. And then he backspaces into great coffee. (laughs) And then that's all he can, and then you see Louise in the background is like tearing shit up, scooping up old tile, 
knocking down like because they they uh take over the liquor store what used to be the liquor store and he's like so collapsing all the shelves and he's like cleaning the toilet and he's doing all this shit and then he's like oh man it was a long ass day you ready to call it and julio's ass just looks at his computer and grins and is like yeah i think we're good Mm -hmm. and it's like bro okay no i cannot be like doesn't he say something like you know yeah i'm beat yeah 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 i'm beat i'm like oh hell no Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna pretend that my mexican cousin is in the background ripping up tile every time i sit down to write Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be like this fool is like this fool thinks that i'm doing something important so i'm gonna make sure that like when he's done doing all that shit i'm gonna show him hey look like you and I both put in a lot of work. Like, look at all those words. Dude, it's why it's so important to be able to get out of your own fucking head and look at yourself from the third person. If we weren't us and we had to watch our own writing habits, we'd want to strangle ourselves. Be like, why are your books not done, bro? Because we're in our heads. Well, I'll speak for myself. Because I'm in my head, I'm like, well, because it's like not, I don't know, it's not perfect or whatever. But if I wasn't me and I was from the outside looking in and I read, oh, I don't know, say, for example, the manuscript I have right now, I would just be like, no, this is good. Yeah, it's good, man. You, you put it out. And then me, the, the bitch me, would be like, yeah, but is it, is it brilliant? Is it genius? And then the other me would go, uh, no, no, but it doesn't have to be. Like, just put it out. And I'm like, ah, okay, well. I kind of want it to be genius, though. I kind of feel like I'm a visionary, <laughs> and people have to know that I'm a visionary. So this episode was really, um, that episode in particular, I should say, was so fucking inspirational to me. Like, it's like reverse inspiration. Yeah. One, it's like, it's exactly that, too. Like, he even uh, paints, like, he has that mural painted, and it's like, poor Jorge, the, like the huge cholo with head tattoos and braces Mm -hmm. is like a (laughs) he's like i paint i'm finished with this mural boss Mm -hmm. and uh it's like julio but then that's julio's breaking moment where he he looks like chairman mal yeah it looks like yeah it looks like he has this huge mural of him it was the guy who did the obey remember that the obey stuff he did the obama hope Thing. Oh yeah, yeah, Whatever yeah, that yeah. Name is, yeah. <laughs> but and that—that's his breaking point, and then he smashes it with a hammer. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that—that's exactly it. It's like you're not uh, just stop being a visionary, stop being brilliant. Yeah, and just be the guy. Some people who picks up poop. Honestly, like. Yeah, who pick who splits it 50-50. Mm-hmm. Take out your your exacto blade and and cut it right down the middle. Don't scoop up more turd than you have to. Mm-hmm. What do you want to watch? Paw Patrol. All right, lay down. You like Mario? Yeah. Mario's so cool. Mario's so cool. You're so cool too, that's right. Teaching him the, teaching him right. 
Mario's cool, but yeah, you know what? Just, I'm fucking cool. <laughs> but that's is that like why would you even want to be brilliant, honestly? Like think of who's considered brilliant. And I don't think any of those fools are my influence. So Who is considered brilliant? Why would I get like James Joyce? Oh yes, uh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? A lot of people that like everybody assumes you should have read if you write. It's like, oh, hey, you're a literate person, bro. Yeah, you know really who I think is goosebumps. You know who I think is like uh, fucking brilliant, but who is totally low key, who's had this super low key but good career. Uh, he's he's my new inspiration for who I want to be like. It's a dude named Tim Powers. Me and Glenn are gonna do an episode over his book Last Call. But I've yeah. I've been on a kick with his books lately, and I'm just like, okay, these are the most amazing books I've ever read. This dude was friends with PKD, and nobody fucking nobody puts him on lists. You know what I mean? It's never like Tim Powers is the guy you got to read, and he just he just keeps doing cool shit. Like he's still writing books. He's in his seventies now, and uh, we gotta get Tim Powers on the show. Tim Powers, come on, agitator. Hell yeah, the uh, there's something about the um. Like I'm not class focused either because I don't know that's too stupid to like that's a you're very limited to get caught up in like caring about class one way or the other because mm-hmm. if you come from poverty and you're always like I'm poor then you're like that's bad magic mm-hmm. you're like good luck always being poor because you're always like I'm poor I'm poor so yeah I guess you'll always be poor but uh like. There's something about the, like the working essence, like the spirit of, uh, I don't want to say it's just working class shit, because there's something, it's, I feel like a lot of rich people, well, Donald Glover taps into this, and he's rich as fuck, mm-hmm. like, and, uh, but it's like a, an earthy, grounded, it's like something, like a grounded element to shit, mm-hmm. that's just like, I just do this thing and I, you know, I put it out and it's like, do you, do you bleed on the page? Do you put your heart and soul into it? It's like, I'm a person with a soul. So like, there's my, like there's soul shit in it because I made it, but I, I don't know. I don't get all emo about it. Just like do this cool thing and I put it out and then I do another one and I and I put it out and and it is what it is and you kind of like my favorite shit is that it's like it's not saying ah cut out the greatness and just settle for okay it's not settling it's like be real with yourself you're not brilliant but do you even want to be no 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 not really honestly no I mean, why? Brilliant for for what? For to what end? For what purpose? First of all, what does brilliant mean? I mean, for real, like what? Like what? What is brilliant? I don't know. I think it's like a status thing. So it's like a, it's something other people. It's a claim other people got to make on mm-hmm. you. And every time I've seen people, like most of the people you see being considered brilliant, they did like one thing. 
It's like, oh yeah, probably because they were being obsessive over, you know, how visionary they were and shit, while their cousin was was doing all the heavy work. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking about this because I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people like this, bro. You do too. We both do. We both know a lot of people like this who don't write. But they they love all the brilliant people and they kind of do like they sort of do valorize that that aspect of their lives. Like, damn. Like they wrote one great book. And that makes me think, okay, that's it? We have one thing? That's, uh, I don't know. Like, Tim Powers is interesting to me because, you know, you have the Anubis Gates, which won the 1984 PKD Award, and then he had Last Call, which won the World Fantasy Award in 1991 or two or something like that. And then he just kept writing books. And you got to assume some of those are better than others, you know? Like, every single one wasn't hitting the way that those two books hit. But he doesn't really seem to care. He just kind of does it. He's like, okay, here's my new one. And he seems to be a very humble person. He seems to be a well-adjusted person. But more importantly, he seems to be a very interesting person. He, the way he writes his books is crazy. He lets research guide his book. He reads history books, and then when he sees something that doesn't make sense, he's like, hmm, what if it was ghosts? What if the reason that happened is because of ghosts or interdimensional space aliens or whatever? You know what I mean? Like that, it just seems like he has fun writing. And it seems like he's put out a book every year or two for his entire life. So now he's got to, I thought he had like five books and I was fucking wrong. He's got like 25 books. And I was like, okay, I see you, Tim Powers. And they're big boys too. They're big old chunkers, like four or 500 pages. So I can understand that with the right, because I can like, you know, for the longest time, for most years of my life, I was like, how the fuck would I ever write a big book? Like, I'm too good at writing. It's not that I don't have shit to say or I don't have ideas. It's like I can say it perfectly in like a paragraph. So why would, how the fuck am I going to write like a 300, 400, 600 pages? How am I going to write 200 pages? Like for that matter. But I've been through door dashing, just being around like back out in the city and all over different parts of it and going down to the island and shit. And like just seeing so much shit throughout the day and kind of doing that in your head like I wonder how that got to be like that like what's the story with this with this trap house next to this mansion like what's going on here and and just interacting with weirdos and it's like you know shit just starts you start chasing that and then it just starts growing and growing and i've already got like two notebooks full of just shit mm-hmm. of just like a uh, this car i saw was crazy like you know it was like a uh one of those dodge hatchbacks but it had it was like wrapped in black dahlia murder and anime shit Yo, let's and like go. who drives something <laughs> who drives something like that you know and then like 
this piecemeal old Chevy truck that's like was mint green but it's mostly put together by factory black color you know that matte black like got it from the junkyard mm-hmm. uh, parts like it's been totaled 12 times and it's like brand sitting on brand new rims Yo, let's and go. like uh let's go I love that kind of shit. You know, so I'm like seeing all these vehicles and I'm like, okay, now who drives these kind of vehicles? And the, like the characters are developing from just seeing like cars on the road. And uh, right. I've got like notebooks full of that kind of shit. And the thing is, I mean, the answer to our question, if you go back in Agitator history, you'll see that we ask this a lot. How do you write a 200, 400, 500 page book? The answer is just to have plot. And I think that our writing... You know, we're very language focused, and so a lot of our stuff is kind of situational. We put two characters in a room and just kind of watch them go. All we got to do is just send them on a quest at that point. I mean, that's what Powers does. Uh-huh. Like, he's got interesting characters in Last Call, and how you fill up, I think it's like a, almost a 700 page book. It's a long ass book. Um, how you fill up a book like that is just by like, send them on the road now they're going to do stuff and they're encountering people and they're they're being pursued by people and they're pursuing people and it just keeps going and as it goes on the same way that this fool is able to have a because like if you were to say do you want to watch a five-hour movie about reformed cholos you'd say no but it's like okay do you want to watch 10 20 minute episodes that are broken up in this way that's like easily digestible you would say yes and that's how a good book does it too, right? It's like, it's, it's kind of like just stringing together short stories, you know, it, but doing so in yeah. the service yeah. of an overall plot, right? There's one main plot. Right. Like the book is a season and the chapters are episodes. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's why the sitcom structure works so well because a sitcom starts off Every, every single episode of every sitcom opens with a joke that you think is just a, uh, it's just a joke. Like, you're like, oh, it's just a hook. Ha ha, that's funny. Mm-hmm. But then that joke turns into a plot element mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. on in, like, the third act. And then you've got a, a plot A and a plot B of these characters over here doing this thing, these characters over here doing that thing. They meet at the end, whether they affect each other or not. Or if they just like go through their shit and then meet up at the end, like, damn, my day was crazy. What was your day? And like, whatever. But they like converge at the end. And then no matter, like, they go through change gradually over time. Like, the characters develop over time. But at the end of the episode, everything resets to zero. Like, that's also a key element to mm-hmm. it. Is mm-hmm. like, you continue where you left off that's not that you don't always continue like old school sitcoms it's like you could just press reset and it's like that last episode didn't even happen but like kind of since serialized tv everybody like there people want a continuing like furthering developments and shit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. even it like in this full like it kind of has that vibe of like oh it's a sitcom like everything's gonna be totally back to normal and kenny's not dead in the next episode but that's not the case like things continue and it keeps going the story keeps going right right at the like where they're kind of at 
unless it's a season finale if it's just the end of the episode it goes back to zero because say like he gets that ferrari at the end of uh one of the episodes chef is gifted a ferrari by this billionaire dude who's been pretending to be a crazy ass hills have eyes redneck but it's just like part of his weird vacation he uh he like gifts him a ferrari and then they go eat at a diner and it gets stolen like you see outside the window it gets stolen <laughs> yeah because it's like he can't have a ferrari he's one of the main characters he hasn't all the, he's not all of a sudden ferrari guy. yeah they don't have the budget for that you can't have, you can't rent a ferrari you know for every episode um but also yeah it's kind of like you have this overall plot and then each episode even though everything gets reset back to zero it still leaves a scar for the next episode right if the season is a body every episode leaves like a scar on it it's altered in some way yeah um i read an article recently i think eddie shared it with us about the x-files some dude was writing about how the x-files used was like the first show to balance what's called monster of the week type tv which is just what it sounds like it's like like the episode is self-contained and it's Mulder and scully have to deal with hills have eyes rednecks or they have to deal with jack black who can shoot electricity out of his fingers or whatever you know and then there were Mm -hmm. uh, myth episodes like mythos where the episode would move forward the main plot of you know uh Mulder trying to get to the bottom of the alien conspiracy uh it's been a long time since i watched the show and the guy was talking about how when he was a kid he he used to love the myth episodes because it felt bigger and he used to get irritated with the monster of the week ones because you know when you're watching it week by week you're like fuck so i don't get any new clues to the to the overall mystery on this one i gotta watch Mm. you know some psychic lady uh explode people's heads or whatever and what i think people have figured out now and what we're talking about is how to mix those two together it's like every week is a monster of the week hannibal does this incredibly too for a while they kind of go off the rails once uh season two happens but season one is like this perfectly every week is a new serial killer right who, who kills people in different ways but it all feeds into this main antagonism between will graham and hannibal lecter right and I think that's the real key, is to find a way to nest narratives inside the grander narrative. Yeah, and you do, you can do that with just like tangents, but just stay within the structure, like stay within the framework. I'm learning that like frameworks actually, uh, I don't know. I used to just want to rebel and be like, nah, be experimental, like, and loose with it. And what if this and that? It's like, that's how you never have anything made. And when it is, it's all sloppy and, like, disjointed. Mm. It's like, what if you had that approach to a house? It's like, it can be any kind of house, but the skeleton is important. Mm -hmm. It's just framework. It's just framework, bro. Like, chill out. Yeah. So, like, you, as long as you have the structure there then you you know you dress it up how you dress it up but like keep it keep it in that sitcom mode i agree i'm not a huge fan of experimental shit anymore to be honest i just i mean it's like i, I kind of just feel like i get it now I'm like yeah i get it it's cool every once in a while like i wouldn't uh like when we did the noise episode with adam 
I'm like, okay, yeah, this is cool. Like, I fucked with it, for sure. But when it comes to books in particular, I'm just kind of like, when people are playing language games, I don't know. It's just not for me anymore. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's, that, that's cool, man. But but what's the framework? I, I felt a little embarrassed about, like, some of my shit that I still stand by. Like, I'm not embarrassed by my shit, but, like, um... I realized that I need to bring more to the table, mm-hmm. that I need to meld the two, like the framework and the plot and everything with the language and shit. Whereas like, I'm getting more and more like, starting to sell more and wait like, to people who, d- who don't write, they, they don't know anything about, they just, you know, to just readers. Yeah. And they don't, give up they, they don't even notice the language no like everybody who has said anything about my shit whether to me or i've seen something they've said and it, it's all like pretty much what it's about even if they fuck with mm-hmm. it they're like yeah i really liked this this part was funny i liked how it ended like this blah 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 they don't say anything about the language they don't give a fuck no no exactly because it that's just something that you can throw in for for the heads. You can put that in there. I will continue to because it's just how like it's kinda like exactly. how I write. Right. I kinda yeah. like drum on my knees. I'm like I'm like filling out a beat yeah. like as right. I write. So like it's not even necessarily on purpose. It's just how I know how to do it. Yep. Yeah. It's just it's just how the words cut like it feels wrong if it doesn't have a kind of rhythm to it. But I do think that yeah, if I'm just like, there's a tree and there's a guy standing under it, and this guy is our hero. Let's go on an adventure. Like I'm never gonna write something like that. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's just it's just a matter of you know making sure that. I mean, down to the level, down to the level of the sentence, or no, let's expand it out into the paragraph. You want every paragraph to be its own mini story. And it really is that particular. Like, you want to keep the reader's engagement on every level. You know what I mean? So you can't, and I'm speaking about myself here, like, you can't have a paragraph where you're just doing something cool with language in the middle of that. Like, you could lose somebody with that. And frankly, bro, with how busy I've been lately, I get it. I think that's why I'm reading Tim Powers and Gene Wolfe and writers like that you know what i mean like gene wolf is obviously he's um a bit more lyrical than tim powers but at the end of the day they are storytelling like they're telling you stories like the claw of the conciliator which we're going to talk to matthew about is it's just storytelling right it's like story after story after story that's all nested inside of um you know severian's overarching journey towards being the autark but that's all it really is. Like the book of the new sun, I would go so far as to say it's it's basically a short story collection in the form of a novel. Oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, there's so many side quests and tangents and wait, hold up, we're gonna get stuck right here for a minute. Okay, back to that other thing that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just read uh like. Because this is how we work our schedule, so I'm reading Claw now. <laughs> I'm about like a third of the way through, and uh, you know, there's like just a tangent about how like 
Severian's mentor was asking him if he could uh, rape one of their prisoners for him with like an iron phallus or whatever. It, it's just a, it's just in there. It's just, it's as though that was like a little short story within the context of the overall novel. Um, it's like jokes. Yeah. It's like filling your episode with mm-hmm. jokes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just, and it's just storytelling. And I think that if there's something that you and I can, can learn from that and take away from it, it's that, right? Because I think that I just, I use the movie as my format for writing. I'm always thinking of movies and I've got to get out of movie brain and into book brain or TV season brain, you know, because that's, that's why our books are so short, bro. That's why they're like 20,000 yeah. words. Cause like, it's a movie, like letting out the devils is a movie by the time is a movie. It's structured exactly like a movie and, but we're not writing movies. Uh-huh. Well, I am. So it's a good thing. I already know, like kind of have that in my, toolkit but with the books it's like no mm-hmm. i'm writing books now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just a different mode but yeah no that that skill is perfect whenever it's like you know uh because screenplays are short it's like i mean that's kind of what i've been writing mm-hmm. i've just been dressing it up a little bit but like you can just change how it's arranged instead of dialogue tags you just have like the big letters like this character mm-hmm. dialogue mm-hmm. It's like okay, yeah. What a, my book is now a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, if you wanted to just write screenplays, you could publish them that way too, and people would probably buy them. As a matter of fact, that's not a bad idea. I might start doing that too, of just being like. It's not a bad idea, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like it's not a bad like it is something that could uh, sell, but also, you know, who's going to be looking for screenplays like just in the next few weeks Mm, (laughs) like mm. could actually just sell that shit to people who are making movies yeah true that's my plan i'm really i'm trying to whip up as many screenplays as i can as fast as i can that's a good idea that's a good idea i don't know dude i'm in a nice uh with how busy i am i'm just trying to look for to get back into it you know i was doing that 4 a.m wake up and uh I haven't done that in a couple weeks now. Like I haven't written in a couple weeks, and so now I got to go back to War in Heaven, and I got to read it all again and start up on it again. I'm like, fuck, but I just got to get back into it. It's just been a crazy August has been, I think, one of the most insane months of my life. Like straight up, it's just been crazy. I haven't even really been in the group chat. I like looked at the group chat for the first time ever. I saw that there were like 69 messages. Nice, by the way. And uh, I was just like, yeah, I'm not, do- I'm not reading all that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's Yeah, good. that's been kind of my, the group chat has kind of taken on this new thing of, uh, and I think this is how, honestly, like how uh, it seems how Simmons approaches it a lot. Because, you know, Simmons will be like, I can't be listening to all these voice clips you know while i'm i'm at work and i don't got headphones Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. but uh it'll just pop in with like kind of the down at the lower end of what we're talking about and be like yeah it's like that's kind of what the group chat has turned into for everybody Mm -hmm. (laughs) we we just pop in and out just busy everybody's out of their element yep 
You're out of your element, Donnie. Out of your fucking so. element. Hey, everybody who's listening to this, go watch this fool. It's awesome. This fool is it's so good. Also, I'm just uh, I, this seems like a random thought, but like I'm watch I'm looking at the like episodes page and all the like how many women are on the episode icons. This show does females so well. Mm-hmm. Like I've never you and I you and I are very close to Mexican women. Yes. Um, they I've never I've never ever seen them properly like represented in like a, a movie or a show. I don't think ever. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, why are they so fucking annoying and why are they talking so fast? Mm-hmm. And uh maybe Cubans are like that? I don't know. But like this this show gets people so well. Mm-hmm. And by extension like, you know, within that it gets the women like on point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that the uh, the women are done incredibly well. Um, his girlfriend is great. Uh, yes, you know that shit. Like that's that I went to school with her. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. yeah, she's always stealing his car and shit, and uh, she likes him for some reason. Also, by the way, I forgot to bring this up, but it's important. It's really interesting to create such an unlikable protagonist and make that yourself, you know? Julio's got to be one of the most dis- like unlikable characters so, ever. Yeah, and this was kind of like genius. Like, I wasn't thinking about it watching the show, but listening to Chris Estrada's, uh, he was on uh, some kind of NPR. Uh, I don't listen to NPR, so like one of their they have these sub shows or something i don't know but he was like on npr talk on in an interview and he was saying that uh this guy can easily be a saint like with what he does Mm -hmm. and he didn't want that he didn't want any saints Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. he had to like if this guy his thing is like he works at this non-profit rehabilitating you know ex-felons and he's like you know loves his family and shit like he could easily just be this wholesome kind of psychopath like when you see people like that you're like why are you like this like what what's the thing that's gonna finally push you over the edge you know you're like what people aren't just completely selfless like are you hollow inside what's wrong with you uh so he he was like nah he ain't he ain't gonna be like that he's gonna be like kind of even though you root for him it's like you also hate him yeah yeah oh he definitely sucks you're like yeah this guy's this guy's fucking sucks dude um but he's also you know he is human and i think that that's just interesting and i think that when you have a show that is uh well, it's kind of like Atlanta, right? I mean, it's not like Atlanta's not concerned with Earn past a certain point, you know? Earn is just kind of there. And uh, mm-hmm. with this fool, it's the same. You know, Julio's the main character when it's a Julio episode. But out of 10 episodes, there's only like maybe three or four that really focus on him anyway. So. Even, even Louise, like, there's you know he comes in as like the buddy comedy like 
I mean, the whole thing's a, like a comedy, really, at its heart. But as the uh, the like silly comic relief, mm-hmm. but even he, it's not. It's very centered around background characters. Like, kind of gives everybody their spotlight. Yeah, yeah. It's not supposed. There isn't really a main protagonist in it. That's what makes the show so good. I think. That's what you can do in books, also, to relate it back to books. You know, when you're reading uh, a book like Last Call and you get a novel's link, a regular novel's link through it, and you're like, where the fuck are they going to go with this? He just switches up characters. He's like, okay, we're going to follow this character for, for a while. And I was like, oh, it kind of put me on game a little bit. I was like, oh, okay, I see. I get it. Right. So then you just switch it up, and now you're looking at somebody else. You can do that in a book. You don't have to stick to a protagonist because it's not a fucking movie it's not a movie it's a book or a tv show yep 10 out of 10 i'm ready for uh i'm ready for season three which won't be for a while because season two just dropped but check it out 